this is Felice, your host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. We have with us Ms. Felicia Jackson. Ms. Jackson is a firefighter and an EMT. So she works for the City of Columbus Fire Department. So hello, Felicia. Hello, how are you guys? And then we have with us Mr. Ernest Kelly as my co-host for today. Hello, Ernie. Hello, hello, Felicia. Hello, it's Ernie or do you like Ernest? Can I, so in case I refer to you. Well, most of them call me Ernie, so that's fine. Okay, very good. Felicia, could you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you came about being a fighter fighter and an EMT? Oh, yes. I would love to share my um, experience with everyone. I started off, um, I'm not your typical firefighter as far as getting into the becoming a firefighter because I started later in life. Most firefighters tend to start in their early 20s or they start close to maybe late 20s, early 30s. But I started a little later. I won't say how later, but I started a little later than (laughs) that. And Right. And I, but I started taking the test in case many of you don't know the, the, to become a firefighter, you have to take a test. So I actually started taking, I took my first test at around 24, 24, 25. And then um, I finally got on with the Columbus Division of Fire in 2017. And uh, training, training was eight months. So I went through eight months of training. And then after that, we, I graduated and I started my rotations as a firefighter. How did you become an EMT? So the thing about the city of Columbus, the city of Columbus trains you and you receive all of your certifications while you're in training. So that those eight months you were receiving what we what uh, you have to have, what's required to become a firefighter. So your firefighter one and two certification, and also your EMT, your um, emergency medical technician, the basic um, certification. So those are received while you're in training. So you have to take that both tests: your firefighter, your 240 test for your fire firefighter side, and then your national registry for your EMT side, the medical side of it. So you receive those um, through the city and they pay for them. If you don't receive training through the city, if you decide to get it on your own, those are very expensive certifications to get. Okay, so your best bet is get accepted from uh, by taking the test and stuff like that. Yes, at least through one of the bigger, one of the bigger divisions like Cincinnati, um, Cleveland, Columbus, or any other state that has a large uh, fire division. Now, currently, Columbus tends to waver back and forth between 13 and 14, the 14th and 15th largest division in the country. So we have have a very large fire division um, comparative to other states. If you want to become a firefighter, how often do they give the test? Well, currently, the city of Columbus gives it every two years. They're they're starting to maybe change some things, but they, as of right now, is every two years, and you have to to take the test 
you have to be at least 17 years old and then 18 years old at the time of hire. You have to have a valid driver's license, but then at the time of hire, you have to have an Ohio driver's license, be a U.S. citizen at the time of application, and have a GED or diploma upon appointment. Felicia, I have a couple of questions. Uh, first one is, is the training the same for men and women? It is. We And I'm glad that you asked that, Ernie, because there are so many rumors out there with people that women and men don't have the same test, that women have a we have a we have a different criteria. No, everybody has to have this. Everybody has to pass the same physical test, and we have to pass the same same um, academic. We have to have the same academic standards and the same physical test. So we can just wash those rumors right now. Women do not get any passes when it comes to anything as far as getting on the fire department, or even when you're in the training to be a firefighter. I have much respect for you. My son-in-law wanted to do that, but he couldn't pass the, uh, I think one of the trainings I've seen on TV and where you guys actually have to carry like a 30-pound dummy or something up some steps, do some smoke. Is, is that correct? Or, or can you explain now, that part of everybody's the Everybody's test is different as far as every every um the and they the you still have to do a test, but the requirements may be a little bit different for some now we did we don't have to carry that up steps, but we do have to simulate walking up steps carrying a a certain amount of weight, so when you go through the right. test, you are right. weighted with 80 pounds of weight on you and you have to Whoa. go up a step steps as if you're if as if you're going up high rise um high rise steps and um then we have to carry the the dummy that we have to that we have to drag is 100 I think that's 150 pounds and we have to drag it for a certain amount of a certain amount of feet wow that that I have much respect for you guys doing that that I've seen them do that on TV, and I'm like, man, that is like being in the uh, military trying to be like a, on an Army Ranger or something, man. That is some <laughs> kind of, it is pretty intense. To be an EMT, do you have to have a medical background? No, no medical background. This is the, the great thing about Columbus, unlike some, like some smaller uh, townships or smaller departments that are hiring. You do have to have that previous experience. You have to either be a paramedic or you have to be, you already have to have your certifications. Columbus is bringing people in with no experience. I had no prior fire experience. I The, the only thing I knew is that when I grew up, and I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, when I grew up, I grew up down the street from a um, fire station that sat on the corner of Gettysburg and Kings Highway. And I used to, we would go past and I would say, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of a neat gig. You know, I wonder how is it to be a firefighter? How, how is that? But I had no, no, no family that had, that were firefighters. I had no, no one to talk to and say, hey, can you tell me a little bit about this job? And I think that's why I like what I do because when I talk, when I see people or people see me in my uniform, I'm very quick to talk to you about the 
the industry. And I'm very quick to tell you how it is for women in this um, in this male dominated field. So you had to carry the 80 pound uh, simulation up in the big dummy down. You don't have to carry the the dummy up the steps, but we did have to walk up and down the steps with the 80 pound. We had to 80 pound vest on during the during the test, and and this is a firefighter mount test. And then the the dummy we had to drag, which was 150 pounds. So what are what are some of the other type of things that they do during training that you're required to achieve? So you have to be able, uh, you have to, we have checkoffs that we have just like with any other um, division or training that you may have before you're actually considered a firefighter. We have checkoffs. So there's um, uh, throwing ladders, being able to to uh, drag holes and pull it through a simulated fire and through a building, being able to, and, and when I say drag a hose, it's not just dragging a a hose. The hose is charged with so many so many um, gallons of water. So you have a certain and it's going at a certain psi. And then we had to, I think I said throw ladders. You had to be able to to operate saws. We have not just one chainsaw. We have circular saws. We have chainsaws. They they have different weights. They do different things. Some have the ability. The blades have the ability to cut through metal, through cement. So they have to have they have to have a they're they weigh a certain amount. They're not just your average saw that somebody may have at home. They're very heavy. You have to be able to go up on a roof and simulate cutting a roof. And a lot of times we around the city of Columbus we are able to get houses that people have donated or houses that the city owns or buildings and property that the city owns. And then we have to do a final test and we have to be able to to pass the test. So we're not just simulating going up on the roof and cutting. We're actually going up on the roof of a building or of a house and cutting cutting the roof. We have to be able to make certain types of cuts, certain um, be able to, to uh, I know you see the, ladders that you um that the city of columbus have we have several different types of ladders we have what we call a bucket we have what we call a stick and one that's um that has a tiller on it so you have a driver in front and a driver in the back we have to be coming off of coming out of training we have to be able to drive those those uh apparatus all of them and i know some cities such as Cincinnati, and the reason I may refer to Cincinnati a lot is because I also I have a sister and a brother and a cousin that's on Cincinnati. So I have a twin sister that's a lieutenant and for the department for Cincinnati Fire, and a brother that's on Cincinnati Fire, and a cousin. And they their drivers, their promoted positions. So they have to take a test, and then they get promoted to that to be able to drive. But in the city of Columbus, I can come out day one, and I'm expected to know how to drive any of the apparatus type of apparatus that we have within the division. And that's a huge responsibility and a huge thing for the city to to allow someone with no experience to come on and drive those engines and those in the in the ladders because you know they're million dollar million dollar a piece of machinery 
so to know how yeah. to drive it and operate it is is a that's a it's a I consider it a privilege. It seems like very big responsibility. When you said that you had to be able to use different types of saws, what reason would you have to cut through the roof? What circumstances would require you guys to go up on top of a roof when a fire is taking place for you to make a cut into the roof? Why would you do that? Once we have water on the fire, we want to be able to ventilate the roof, ventilate the house or the whatever building we're we're in. And so we would cut a hole or cut a, a certain type of hole in the roof to ventilate. We also can make cuts in order to stop a fire from spreading. So there's different reasons why you would cut a certain type, make a certain type of cut in a roof on a building or in a house. Felicia, I'm just curious about this. Why? Why do they send like a ladder truck with an ambulance for a 9-11 call, a 9 call? So, so 9 calls is we have, we have, what we have protocols for every type of call that we may get. There's a protocol or SOP, however you may, um, uh, however you may choose to say it, but there's a reason why we send different things, different apparatus to different types of calls. Now, when we send a engine, typically an, a medic and an engine on a medical call, that's because yeah. it's a certain type of call. If you have, and, and, and it may be for manpower reasons. So it may be because this type of call may require more than just a, a two people on the on the medic. So if you have a difficulty breathing, any any type of difficulty breathing, cardiac arrest, any of those can go south at any time. So you want to have the manpower there to take care of it because when you have a cardiac arrest, everybody has their everybody plays their part and has their position. So it takes more than just this one these two people to take care of a cardiac arrest. So when you see um a when you see a medic and a engine on a call, usually it <coughs> ooh, I'm so sorry. It depends on what type of call that they receive. You could get a like and like I said, it could be a person that fell and you see a medic and an engine and that's because they need the manpower to to come in and get the person up. Excuse me for a minute. We need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Okay, got you. I, you know, I always wondered about that. I always, I'm like, I don't see no smoke coming out of that house. <laughs> Why is the engine yeah. there? Yeah, where's that engine there? I always, we've seen that. Uh, so, so what, what are your schedules like? Is it, is it true you guys work like two days on and two days off? We have. Or we we do have a schedule that's like that, um, and I always tell people this is this is one of the better jobs. Not every job can you can you can you work as have a schedule where you work nine days a month, but we work one day on, so twenty four hours on, 
in in 48 hours off, two days off. So we come if I come in at 8 o'clock on Monday, I'm getting off work at 8 o'clock on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So we do spend the night in the station. Some stations, everybody wants to know how the sleeping area is, sleeping arrangements are. So most, for the most part, the newer stations all have individual rooms. But there are some older stations that have bunk, that still have the bunk room type set up. But um, we stay there and we eat lunch together. We eat dinner together. We do chores. So when you come in, the first thing you do is you have roll call. You check your equipment. We always we always check the equipment. We always you check your personal equipment, which is your your gear and the equipment that allows you to breathe, which is your SCBA and your face piece, and then you. Um, Check over the engine. So if I'm on the medic, I do. I'm usually I'm the driver of the medic because um, EMTBs drive the medics, and then I have a paramedic on. He's checking the drugs and the other checks that he has to do. I'm checking. I'm going under the engine, under the hood. I'm sorry, and I'm checking all my fluids. I'm checking everything under the hood of that of that um, apparatus. I'm checking everything around the apparatus. I'm checking the lights. I'm checking the sirens. I'm everything. I'm looking at the air, at the tire pressure. I'm looking, making sure the doors work. I'm checking the cot, and if it's an electric cot, I'm making sure that works. I'm making sure that um, I have all my medical supplies that I need to have. And if I have a, if I have a, a medic that's really nice, he lets me sit with him while he checks over. Um, his the things that he that he has to check as far as drugs and the medical kits and things like that the airway kits because I want to make sure that I'm learning all that I can learn and if he needs something I know I know how to get it for him or where to get that from so it's important that we know everything about whatever apparatus we're on. If I'm on the engine, I want to make sure that I check. We carry we carry kitty litter. I don't know if that's one thing most people don't think that we carry, but we do carry kitty litter, and we have to make sure that we have it on the truck because if there's an accident and there's a, a car that is leaking um, some type of fluid, we want we put the kitty litter down to stop that leak in the fluid um, leaking on the um, in the streets and getting into the into the sewer system. So we have to make sure that something as simple as kitty litter is on the truck. I want to check all the saws on the truck. I want to check. I want to. I want to check to make sure that I have water actually on the truck because there's water on the truck. So I want to make sure there's water on the truck. I get in there and I check to see what type of nozzle is on the end of my hose. I make sure and look at see what type of hose I have on the truck. What type of what type of we have different type of um, lays that they use on the truck um, to to put the to stack the hose on the truck. So I want to see what type of hose lay is on the truck. There's different things that we check every morning on that truck and then we do chores and we do we mop every day. We we mop the entire fire station. We clean out the bays. We wash the trucks. We clean the bathrooms. We clean the showers. We clean the toilets. We clean our own bunk room. So it's so by the end of the and then after that we go to the grocery store. So then we so somebody whoever the cook is is deciding what what are we eating 
for lunch and what are we eating for dinner? And and most of the time, the cooking responsibilities rotate. Now you have some houses that have a cook, and that's what that's what he does because usually he's just great at it. And um, so you do have some some fire stations that have a a, a cook that they are, that's always the cook on that unit, and then we have some fire stations that rotate cooking responsibilities. So you guys aren't just sitting around playing poker all day. Then sound like the no. No. So then after the gro by the time you come from the grocery store, because um, usually you get out to the grocery store about 10 o'clock, then you come back and it's, and then you start getting ready for lunch and then you're kind of finish, finishing up some things and then you're getting ready to go out and do whatever else we need to do. So in the summer, in the, in the, in the spring and in the fall, we have to do hydrants. So you'll see us out um, yeah. uh, with the hydrants. So you'll see us either flushing the hydrants or tinkering the hydrants. So we flush them in the, in the, in the springtime and we tinker them in the, uh, fall. And what, when I say tinker, it means we make sure that the water is below a certain level so that it doesn't freeze in the, um, in, in the hydrant. So we want to get it down to a certain level and then, so that it's not frozen when we get ready to come to a house if there's a fire and we open up the hydrant and the water is frozen. So in the in the winter time you want to sink or the in the in the fall you want to sink or the hydrant. So after we do we eat and then we go out and we start doing that. And so you usually don't settle down at a firehouse until uh, and then in between there we're still taking runs. So we mm-hmm. we still have to if we have thing if we have inspections to do because some fire houses still have certain inspections to do at buildings in between there if we're at an inspection we're still on call so if we're in if we're in our district they're going to call us and they're going to send us on a run so you could be in the middle of the grocery store and you see us leave the cart and run out to the to the truck or you we're talking to somebody doing an inspection and you we run back to the truck or we we're, we could be doing whatever and get a run and we have to go back to the truck and take the run. So we're not just, it, it, you might, you, you're not doing any company work around six o'clock six, dinner time. That's when you actually stop doing actual company work and you, you sit down and you eat and that. And then after that, you kind of, I know when I was um, going through my journeyman program after that, that's when I had to start studying all the uh, books that I have to pass my journeyman test. Because after you get out of training, and the training is eight months, that's not the end of what you have to do. Now you have to, you're a journeyman and you're in this journeyman program for about two years, and then you have to pass this big test at the end. So you're constantly studying and trying to get your check off. You have sheets that you that your lieutenants or another firefighter has to check off and say that you did while you're um, during that program. So what's what's a journeyman? What is that? What what is so that? After, so after you after you come out of training, you spend like I said, you spend eight months in training. And then after mm-hmm. you come out of training, you're in the journeyman program. So you're 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 in a program to become a journeyman firefighter. So you're in that program, and at the end, 
Like I'm still, I'm a firefighter, but I'm not a journeyman firefighter. It's kind of, I, I, I like to say, or how I try, tend to explain it, you're in an apprentice program. So if you're, if you're like an apprentice um, electrician, you're you you're doing the work, but you're you haven't got you haven't obtained the journeyman yet. So you're an apprentice. You're not a journeyman. So that's what that's how it is. You you've come out. You're you're new. You're an apprentice. You're working at it, but you're um, but it's it's a two year pro just about a two year program or so. And then at the end you take a test. And then we it even it's it's even as big as like when you're out on the fire scene and you may see the different that look at the different helmets and you probably never even noticed, but certain people have certain color helmets and then on those helmets are certain stickers. So if you have orange stickers, that means you're in the journeyman program. And then when you pass your test, you get your yellow stickers, which means that you're, you're, I, I always say it's the official firefighter, but you're all your official firefighter from day one. But yeah, that's me. That means we've passed the journeyman program. I, I have seen those stickers. I'm glad you that you 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 uh, referenced that because I have seen those stickers on those hel- uh, helmets. And I wonder why they different color stickers on there. Different, yes. Oh, but that's it. That's it. So um, that 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 journeyman. That's a huge, huge uh, milestone. Very huge milestone for people to to accomplish. And um, I know that um, um, they, they tr- you're training all during this time. So you have certain, you have a certain amount of training that you have to, that you have to get during this program. So all, all during your career as a firefighter, you, you, you're constantly training because you have to maintain those certifications. But I know during that time, that's, to have that accomplishment, that's one of your first big accomplishments. I mean, coming out of the academy is the first accomplishment. Well, getting on is accomplishment number one, but then um, completing the training is the next accomplishment, and then completing your journeyman program. That's that's one of the biggest things because then you kind of you and at least for me, that's when you kind of feel official. That's when you're like, okay. I've done all the, I've done everything that I'm required to do. And now I'm just a lot of things that I'm starting to learn. I'm starting to learn because I'm interested in it. And this is, this is the path that I want to go. And there's so many paths with the Columbus Division of Fire. Like people think like we're, we have, I'd like to tell people we have so much more depth to us than what people think because we're more than just people that run in fires and pick people up when they get sick. I mean, we have so many, so many things. We have the the um, DART program, which is our diving team. So we have a diving team. We have a hazmat team. And when I say diving, I don't mean like they just they just scuba dive and swim for the fun of it. They 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 do any water rescues that's required within the city. So any if you have a we've had a we've had people if there's the retention ponds or ponds um, waters uh, the the um, Olentangy River if you someone is boating and they fall in and they can't seem to get them out, um, or someone's car rolls into one of these ponds that's 
in front of a um in front of a lot of apartment builds apartment yes apartments that you see that's our dark team that responds to that we have a hazmat team any type of fire that that deals with chemicals or anything um it could be any um a place that deals with uh tires that goes up um that has a fire if you have a, a certain amount, you know, a, a, if you're a tire place and you keep, those are like types of hazards, like pallets, tires, that you don't normally think. You think of hazards, you might think of certain types of chemicals. But if if you have a place that, that keeps nothing but pallets and pallets are stacked up for like uh, um, yards of pallets, that, that's, that can be a, that's a hazard. Ernie, thank you for um, participating with me here today as my co-host. And Felicia, we thank you for uh, coming on and sharing all that good information with us. Um, I enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, no problem. Please tune in next week for part two with Columbus firefighter Felicia Jackson. So this is Felicia, your host. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Faith Thomas F. D. N.